AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. Every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, Wife told her daughter and daughter told the ancestors and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come dropping gems. Dropping gems. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. What's up? It's Debbie Brown. We're at episode 15. Now, I know first things first, before I even get into this episode, we got to talk about the hiatus. <laughs> I got a few festive DMs uh, about when this podcast was coming back. Very colorful. Uh, but you know, I, I really needed this winter break. I have a lot on my plate right now. So a little bit of catch up. I mean, you know, the obvious. You got your kids. I'm a mom, um, family stuff. But I have a lot of things in the fire right now. A lot of things in the pipeline for my business and myself. I have officially started writing my second book. Uh, really excited about that. Um, this book, I truly feel has been a calling from God and it just has taken over. <laughs> this next book is not going to have anything to do with crystals, 
but it's more going to be a deep dive into healing as women and into wellness as women of color. So I'm really excited to share this with you when I finish. Uh, more details will be coming, especially that pre-order. Uh, but that, you know, that'll be on the way. But I've been working on that. Another facet of my business is I do wellness consultations specifically in diversity and diversifying audiences for established wellness brands. So I have had the beautiful opportunity uh, to work with a lot of brands, companies and people that I am very inspired by, but that's work. So as we've been kind of uh, working on those things, there's proposals, there's showing up, there's, you know, just lots of layers and lots of research. So because I'm just a simple human, uh, just one person, I could only focus on a few things at a time. But I am excited to be back with you now working on this podcast, Dropping Gems podcast. And this episode specifically is one that, you know, I kind of wanted to do a check-in episode. I have a rollout coming, um, some cool things and cool announcements regarding this podcast and potential acquisitions and uh, new opportunities for expansion. But um, I decided instead of just waiting to roll all of that stuff out, let me check in now and do a little bit of a podcast episode about some of the things that I've been giving a lot of thought to lately and some of the things that have been affecting the world that we all live in. Um, so this, you know, the past really week, maybe at this point, the past two weeks or week and a half, um, I have been really navigating quite a bit of depression. And that depression was very much kicked off um, by finding out about the death of Kobe Bryant, um, his daughter Gigi, and seven other beautiful souls on that helicopter. And I think that we have had a collective grief going on with that, you know. Um, but for me, it, you know, I'm an empath. I'm a deep feeler. It's very rare that I can cry about myself. Um, and I should probably look into that. Um, but I don't really cry about things that affect me. But when I see people in pain, it's really tough. It's really tough. Um, the deepest part of me just really wants to find a way to help. And you just process the effect of a life that big on the hearts of people everywhere. You know, his life affected millions and millions and millions of people. So, you know, uh, whenever I feel like depression coming on, I'm a very highly functional depressed person. <laughs> I can get a lot done in that space. Um, but I really wanted to let myself just sit in it and feel uh, the death of Kobe was triggering for a couple of reasons for me. I felt um, I felt really devastated, obviously, for his wife, Vanessa, and his remaining children, um, especially the two babies that have not had a chance to live and know him. You know, um, I was very triggered by his death and being reminded of Nipsey's death, who I knew and loved very much. And the timeline of Kobe's death actually also fell onto the anniversary of one of my best friends who was murdered when I was 18. His name was Dwayne Winfield. He was in a 
amazing guy. And it fell right around the death anniversary for him. And so it was just, it was just kind of a lot happening at one time. You know, the concept of grief is kind of omnipresent in our lives right now because we see more tragedy than our brains and hearts were built to receive and endure in 2020. You know, so we are always kind of navigating many griefs in our lives in ways that I think we don't even societally fully understand the ramifications of having this much access to things that other people are going through at one time, right? Because you don't have bandwidth or capacity to care about everyone and everything in all moments. So even experiencing that desensitization to some of um, the really horrifying things that we see as we scroll, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to navigate. It's a lot to deal with. When we think about our own mini griefs of when we are evolving, into new versions of ourselves and the death experience that comes with that inside of us, right? Like the death of different friendships or relationships, the death of versions of ourselves that life has radically changed. You know, it's not a better or worse than it's not really a judgment of good or bad. It just is what that is, is very real. And we don't always have a chance to process. So when the news came out that Kobe passed, it fell right in line with uh, me leaving out on my family vacation. And I just decided to completely unplug after that and focus completely on being in my own head. You know, how often do we get the chance to really do that? So I have been um, relaxing in my grief. You know, I, I think something that really comes up in moments like this and certainly something that came up for me when Nipsey passed, and I shared this on previous episodes, is it brings it brings to you um, quite a lot of thoughts about the way that you experience God. And so that's what I really want to talk about on this episode today. I want to share some of the thoughts that I have been having about God and what that means. So lately, I've been allowing myself to sit inside my brain and inside my heart And I have been giving a lot of complex thought to the way that I experience God and what God is in my life and what that means. And, you know, I really I think that I am standing in the fullness of the understanding that none of us, none of us really understand God, because how could we just like our cells, just like our bodies, just like our earthly lives are. Our faith is in a constant discovery process and it's in an ongoing evolution and how we actually experience and know God and communicate with God is always evolving. You know, to exist, to be here is to continually be in a state of confusion. Life is complicated. Faith is very complex and we have to give our faith room to grow and to change, to redirect us, to sometimes fall out of, to sometimes fall into. I think about God probably most moments of every day. And I have for a long time. And I didn't grow up, you know, as we say uh, in black culture, I didn't grow up in the church necessarily, you know, but I always knew God and I always had a strong faith. And in moments of some of my deepest, deepest, darkest, 
pain um, and some of the moments where I've really died to myself, God is the one that showed up in every second and helped usher me into a new version of who I was. And even though you know that, you can still have moments where you feel confused by him and angry with him. And I don't think anything is wrong with that. And I would think that one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about their faith and about what it is to be grateful about your life is that you have to be exuberantly happy in every moment, right? That every second it has to be, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. I don't think that's realistic. And I'll be quite honest with you. I think people that navigate in that space, there is a lot of communication they may not be having with God. You know, to know God is to surrender. To know God is to be soothed by the complexities of him and the vastness of him. And the fact that no matter what your belief system is or who you are or what you've been through, we will never know it all until our day comes. We never will, you know, and surrendering to that unknown, especially if you surrender to that unknown and still stand in a space of gratitude and appreciation is to me the highest level of faith possible. I don't know anyone that hasn't been through something. And it's really important, especially in our relationships with God, that we lean into some of the difficulties. You know, we lean into some of the questioning. I'm a big believer that we should question God. Why shouldn't we? He expects us to. That's why we're here. That's how we grow and refine. When you when you're on the path of being a seeker, which I very much consider myself to be, it is to be someone that looks for truth, right? And the only truth that I know for sure for me is that there is a God, that there is a higher power and everything else, to be quite honest, is up in the air. (laughs) We can all come up with our theories. Uh, We can all follow various belief systems, but you won't know for sure. We're just human beings. Our eyes, our minds, none of it can fully understand or behold the complexities of a being like God and what he creates and why he creates it, you know? Um, So I also think it's important to take that pressure off of ourselves completely. All right, let me backtrack um, because this is a check-in episode. So I am a little bit off the cuff today. (laughs) I just really wanted to talk to y'all. So um, I hooked up my microphone. So as I shared, let me set the scene. As I shared, I'm on uh, vacation right now. One of my favorite places ever, Cabo, Mexico. This is my go-to several times a year because it's very close to LA. Yes, I do travel other places. um, And I have had the beautiful, beautiful opportunity to visit many different countries and see the world in many different ways. But this is my quick, beautiful destination where I like to just run here every chance I get. Um, But so I also want to preface that by saying right now I set up like this little podcast lab um, on the nightstand of my bed and you might hear Quest run by at any 
any moment and yell because that's his thing right now that he's doing is just looking at you and screaming. So <laughs> if that happens, I'll try to edit it out, uh, but just know it's coming. So let me let me get back to some of the some of the things that I have written down that I really want to make sure that I express. Maybe about a year and a half ago, I had the beautiful opportunity to be a part of this incredible panel about faith and spirituality, uh, both new age and traditional black church spirituality. Um, it was put on by the African-American Smithsonian Museum in D.C. Amazing guy named Teddy Reeves asked me to be a part of it, and he plays a huge part in the African-American Smithsonian Museum. Sorry if I'm a little tongue-tied. Um, and they did this at the California African-American Museum, which is in L.A., and they had this discussion, and it was a panel, and I was on it, and I guess I was kind of representing uh, more of the new age thought process. Um, and there were also several pastors and just a, a lot of really incredible viewpoints, um, many of which I hadn't really taken time to see or hear before. So I learned quite a bit. The content is online. I believe it's on my website if you want to see it. It was beautiful, beautiful talk. Um, but so when we did this, there was this really phenomenal, dynamic woman named Candice Benbow. And she's on Twitter. She has a podcast. It's called Red Lip Theology. I really enjoy it. I really love the way that her mind works and the way that she expresses her, expresses herself. Um, and, you know, she considers herself to be a black feminist Christian. And as you know, as if you are a woman right now or a millennial in general, especially a person of color, um, there are a lot of moments that are being unpacked for us that have never been unpacked before. We're having conversations we've never had. We're really challenging the institutions that we generationally were always taught to believe in and to not question, right? And we're demanding different things. We're holding people accountable, especially in the church. We are looking to really grow and change as a generation in a way that I don't think any generation ever has before. And that's part of the great thing about being alive right now in this moment, right? It's, I believe that we are in the age of awakening. And I think that the world is moving at a very accelerated pace in a way that it never has in human history. And a lot is being demanded of us. And I think that is why we are having these really expansive conversations about everything from therapy to God, to the Me Too movement, right? To systemic racism and the role that it plays in our family, our family structures, you know, all of these things are happening in ways that they never quite have before. And we have access to share our stories and to use our voice in ways that has just, it's unprecedented. It's never happened. And all of that is not for nothing, right? All of that is not just for our egos. All of that is because I believe God is demanding radical change from humanity right now. And these are the steps that he's outlined to get us there. You know, and I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime, but it is going to happen in the next couple of hundred years. So she, uh, back to Candace, <laughs> I'll be going on tangents. I don't have no notes today. Um, back to Candace. So she's beautiful, dynamic woman. She went viral, uh, earlier this year because she baked a pound cake for her neighbor. And it was a really funny story. She's on Twitter and Instagram, but she had tweeted something right after Kobe died that I really loved. And she said, God is big enough for you to be angry at him. God is big enough for your sadness. God is big enough for your confusion. God is big enough for your questions, you know? Um, and I thought that was really powerful 
because sometimes I think that religion and faith can be very toxic in the way that some people feed it to us because they are demanding that you do this spiritual bypass where you completely sidestep your feelings, you sidestep any desire for accountability, you sidestep your own pain to just rejoice and worship. And that's not what God wants us to do. I don't believe because God grows inside of us when we question him. That's how we build our relationship with him. God grows inside of us when we are hurting, when we're in pain, when we're seeking answers. That's how he can speak the most clearly to us. So it is moments like this, I believe, that can ultimately help build your faith and not destroy it. Um, but so when she when she sent that tweet out, it really spoke to my heart. It really took some of the the guilt away of being angry. You know, I felt really angry at God last year when Nipsey was killed. I felt really angry when I heard about the Kobe situation and this go around, maybe not so much anger, but I felt really confused. And, you know, instantly me and a lot of my friends, I'm in a bunch of different group chats. We all start texting each other and we're just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what? And I remember when I heard the news, I literally, all I could say for hours, I, I was speechless. All I could say was what? Like my brain could not comprehend it because what kind of came up for me and actually Charlemagne and I had a long discussion about this right after everything happened. You know, the first thing that it does when you hear something like this with Kobe and Nipsey is it set, you know, for inside, it makes you say, well, what's the point of being a good person? <laughs> what, what is karma? You know, if you think about karma in the sense that uh, we all kind of use it or more so in the Vedic sense, you know, it's this idea that you're good and good comes to you. Right. And that is not really accurate. Karma simply means action and a cycle of action, really. And, you know, it's hard because when you are in a peaceful and spiritual and God loving space, when you're not in pain, it's easy to say, yeah, everything happens for a reason or this happened, but it led me to this. Or like I talked about at length in one of my IGTV videos on my Instagram was finding the opportunity in every challenge and rejoicing even in your most painful moments. And all of those things are true. But sometimes in the moment, you have to take a beat. You have to take a step and allow yourself to feel right. Um, but even in thinking about this just really incomprehensible tragedy with Kobe, I also saw immediately so much beauty, especially for men of color. And there was this just deeply inspiring space holding that started to happen, right? You're seeing men that may have never cried, bawling their eyes out. You know, you see men who may have never done this before setting up their first therapy appointment, right? Finally beginning to dive in and unwrap some of their complex emotions and perhaps lay down some of their toxic masculinity, open their hearts, allow themselves to feel. And once you learn how to do that, you never forget it. So imagine all of these men, probably millions of men around the country that were breaking down because their hero and his daughter were so tragically killed. Now they know how to access those spaces in themselves, you know, and I it, it's too soon to really talk about it in this way. And I am in no way trying to be insensitive to the enormous amount of pain 
so many of us are in, in seeing this happen. But it's kind of like, what a gift also. What a gift that Kobe's life has been, not just because of the way that he was such a great human um, often on the court, but and not because just of his level of discipline, you know, and commitment to excellence, but what an enormous gift that he shared himself with the world in such a huge way that his passing could be the catalyst for an expansion emotionally of so many men around the world. You know, and I'm sure as time goes on, you know, we're only a week and a half removed. I'm sure as time goes on, we'll continue to see even more gifts of his legacy. But instantly, that's something that I noticed. And that's something that brought me a certain amount of peace. You know, Um, I felt really proud of a lot of the men that were expressing themselves and a lot of the men that were allowing themselves to be seen. So many guys and, you know, I, I know it can't just be me, but so many guys that I know and I'm sure so many of the men, many of you know, they bypass their emotions and, you know, something happens and, oh, I might, I'll be straight. I'm straight. No, I might. No, 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 no. It's all good. You know, and they want to hurry up out of that moment and never process and never feel. And that keeps them from being able to have real intimacy emotionally or emotional intelligence in all the facets of their life. Because if you don't let yourself feel, and if you don't find a way to be gentle with you and love yourself anyway, how can you actually show up in the lives of the people close to you in a meaningful way? You know, so to see so many men just be out of sheer enormity of the grief, be forced into spiritual submission, be forced to surrender and fall on their knees and just let themselves hurt and let themselves fall apart and have conversations. Um, It was deeply inspiring. And I think that part of Kobe's legacy will be his passing really aided in some emotional generational freedom for a lot of people and a lot of families. At least that is my hope, you know. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you 
to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think I shared uh, this story a few episodes back. I think I talked about this on the episode with Terrace Martin, but something that was really ringing in my mind quite a bit lately has been this conversation that I had with one of my professors in this psychology program that I'm in. I am back in school. I'm in my second year now of this three-year program. In this program where we really explore like nonviolent communication and spirituality and psychology, I had got up to share about this breakthrough that I had had. And I I shared this probably on a couple episodes, but the breakthrough that I had about how I had really been seeing that a lot of the pride I took in myself and a lot of my self-worth was really rooted in what had been a coping mechanism. I found a lot of pride in how strong I was and how resilient I was, but it was really me just creating this false narrative that my worth was based on how much pain I could tolerate. Right now, that was huge for me. That was huge for me to realize that about myself so that I could really free myself of that. Um, But when I had stood up to share this with the professor in class, I was talking about that breakthrough. And then I I just kind of broke down crying and it turned into two things for me. First, I, I was crying for Nipsey and I was saying that I felt really confused because to see someone stand so deeply in the fullness of their purpose and die at such a young age and in such a cruel way, it made me feel in that moment, very irrationally, like if I live my purpose, then I might die young. Because in my mind, I had kind of created this narrative around my grief that, you know, God takes you once once you've completed your work on earth. And even though to the human mind, it may not seem like your work is complete. You know, we would have loved to see Nipsey and Kobe be our elders, you know, be like the Ozzie Davises of our generation, fighting the good fight, being excellent and great and being, you know, these phenomenal role models, um, God knows when the work is done and their soul knows when the work is done. Right. So I, I started crying because I was saying, if I really stand in my purpose, if I really give myself in the way that I believe I'm called to, I might finish, you know, all the lessons I needed to learn, or I might wrap up my karma and then I'll die. And I don't want to die yet. I'm not ready. I want to raise my son. And then that turned into me breaking down crying about, how much I love my son and how much that love has actually terrified me in moments Um, because I love him more than I love my own life. You know, Um, the love I feel for him is not really definable. It fills me. It fuels me. And so then this fear developed that I want to live for no other reason forever (laughs) for as long as I can so that I can love him. So I say all that to say I had stood up and I shared those things and I was I kind of looked a little ridiculous 
ridiculous. I mean, I was just ugly crying at that point, just bawling in front of this room of like 150 people. And I remember the professor said to me, you know, he said, when you reach a certain point in your spiritual development and in your growth, there is nothing left but for you to feel a constant, unbearable compassion for the world. And those two words together, unbearable compassion, I had to really sit in that. It was such a experience to hear the wording of that. And that is how I feel. And I think when you're an empath, that's really how you feel too. You know, the compassion that you have for people, it almost feels like it's going to kill you, to be quite honest. It feels unbearable how much love you have for others and how much love you have for the world. But him saying that also let me kind of feel like, all right, I'm on the right track. I'm at least showing up, I believe, as who God wants me to be in this moment, you know? And I think another thing that I've really been working through in my mind when it comes to my thoughts on God are I've always found religion to be restrictive. I've always found a lot of the ways in which religion is showcased or used in a mainstream way to be one that does not really share tangible tools of growth and healing. It's kind of one that's like keep showing up and we'll fill you up that didn't want you to know that God can speak to you directly too. You know, God doesn't have to have a middleman. He'll talk directly to you too, but you have to be open and you have to do the work, you know, and you have to want to heal and grow and change and be Christ-like and, and serve. Um, so when I was thinking about, when I was doing a lot of my thinking about God, um, I actually expanded on that thought of what kind of, what role I think religion can be in a limiting way. And it really boils down to this. I don't think that the Bible is big enough to truly capture the fullness of who God is. So I want to say that in a way that I am in no way really like criticizing the Bible or saying that you shouldn't read it. I think the Bible is a tremendous, tremendously valuable and impactful tool. But I think because the Bible was written by man and written by so many men over centuries um, and very oftentimes for their own political gain and also in a way that does marginalize women some, I don't think that it could ever be big enough to capture the fullness of who God is. God is bigger than your religion. God is bigger than the Bible. God is bigger than any ancient script. God is God. And so I believe that it's imperative that we are constantly exploring our relationship to him and constantly exploring the way he moves in the world and the world that he created. And we're constantly seeking to translate different understandings and different roads to the truth. You know, I think that too often we project quite a bit onto God, the way we view ourselves and the way that we experience the world. And that's not God. I think that's why too, you know, the different versions of the Bible, or if you ask people, they'll all say something different about who God is or what he stands for, because it's based on what their life experience has been. Our parents were our first God. That was our first entry point to God. So depending on your relationship with your parents or what your childhood looked and felt like, how you view God's role in your life will be different. And I think that's worthy of exploration for all of us, no matter what your upbringing was. I don't think of God as being a man or being a woman or having a sex. I don't think of God as having traits of man. You know, when when they say in scripture that we are created in his image, that image is very specifically love. Being created in his image is not physical. 
physical being created in his image means we are the living energy of love. We are the frequency of love. That's his image. And I know, you know, I've said this quite a bit. Um, I broke this down, I think, in one of my IGTV videos. Um, <laughs> I love this book called Conversations with God. And, you know, as, as with anything that you read um, or any of the tools that you use for your personal growth, you take what resonates and you leave what doesn't and you revisit and the definitions evolve. But this book is really interesting. It's really fascinating. And I'll never forget one of the pages towards the beginning of the book. The man who wrote the book is asking God, um, you know, why, why are we here? What is the point? Why did you make man? And in the book, God responds to him and he said, because I longed to experience myself. If you're just God up there in the universe, there's no time and there's no context. So there's nothing for anything to be compared to good or bad. So if he creates man and he sends all these chunks of himself onto earth and throws them into these bags of bones, these these shells, he has the opportunity to experience himself and to understand opposites of things, understand emotion, have expansive expression. That helped me feel closer to my faith. You know, the idea that we are really just these chunks and bits of pieces of pure energetic love trying to experience ourselves and to have any experience you have to have something to compare it to you know and that is the flow of life that is why we have challenges that is why there are these you know perceived ups and downs and perceived rights and wrongs because if we didn't have them what would our experience actually be shaped by and what would be the point those are my thoughts on that we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program in the next couple of weeks I have a really awesome interview lined up lots of thoughts to share but I wanted to pop up before I officially came back with this episode because I just needed to get some of these thoughts out these are the conversations that I have with myself in my own head 24 7 <laughs> so if it was a little all over the place well now you know a little bit more about your girl uh, I wanted to share too with you I want to talk about grief just for these last couple of minutes before we close out this episode so I have a post on my Instagram it is probably somewhere in the last 10 posts the images of me with a stick of Palo Santo and I'm saging uh, excuse me smudging and in that post in the caption I give a lot of tips for navigating grief I want to share that for me personally what I have figured out for myself specifically with the passing of my friend who I mentioned at the beginning of this episode who was murdered when I was 18 he was one of my best friends one of the most phenomenal people in the world just such a huge open heart amazing sense of humor one of the most supportive friends I've ever had in my life and it's never quite been duplicated he was so truly deeply deeply special to my heart something I realized when I was thinking a lot about Kobe and Nipsey this week was the fact that the grief never leaves you know and I know anyone listening to the show that has lost someone that meant a lot to them you have come to find especially if you do continue to try to grow through it that grief never leaves you but it does transform it transforms you and it itself also transforms into different feelings you know when uh, I was feeling like really defeated with Kobe's passing and as I shared um, in other episodes when Nipsey passed I felt really depressed for quite a while and I realized that it doesn't necessarily change but you can change your perception of what it feels 
feels like and you can change the way you use those feelings. Because the fact of the matter is uh, my friend Dwayne passed perhaps, um, I think it was 17 years ago now. And there is not a day of my life that has gone by that I haven't thought about him. And he is buried at Forest Lawn Cemetery, which if you're in L.A., you know that that is right off the 134 freeway. And there is not one time that I've driven past that freeway that I have not cried. And sometimes I'm on that freeway several days a week. And what I do is I just take a moment to feel it because I miss him. I miss him. And I wanted to know who he'd be. I was 18. He was 20. And his life was taken. And there was never justice for his life being taken. And it's okay that it still hurts. And it's okay to also think that he is in a better place. And I do very, very much experience him in my life on a daily basis, looking out for me as one of my angels and one of my guides. But it's okay to still hurt. And so I do cry a couple times a week about him. You know, sometimes I cry maybe just 60 seconds, my eyes will water up and I'll be able to move forward. And sometimes I might cry for 15 minutes, 30 minutes. You know, I always think of him and that doesn't change. But the way that you hold on to the hurt changes. You know, I think when you get to a point in your growth and in your grief, you can feel the feelings, but let them pass through you. Like you're kind of like your heart is an open window. Things can freely come in and go out, but you still got to let them pass. I wanted to share in closing, um, I just came across this book and I think some of you guys might really like it. Me and my partner and amazing friend, Nicole Garcia, were looking for office space. We're thinking about expanding. I'm considering getting a Karma Bliss storefront um, and doing some wellness work out of it and also an office space for us to create. And so I have this vision for getting this office space in the Topanga Canyons, which is like these, this little like mountainous terrain that is in between Malibu and the valley and like Woodland Hills in Malibu, if you're familiar. And it's, it's really this very interesting, eclectic hippie space uh, where it seems like you're in another country or at least a, the middle of the U.S. Like it's just, it's a special kind of bizarre little area, but I love it. So there's a lot of like spiritual stores in that area. And we happened to like pull over. We were checking out a building and we wandered into this tiny, tiny store. The store was like as big as my bathroom. It was so small. And they had this stack of books and there is this author. Her name is Pixie Lighthorse. She's on Instagram, Pixie Lighthorse. And she has books of prayers about all different kind of things. And this is actually, um, I found this maybe a week before Kobe passed. And I don't know what made me pick it up, but I did. This book in particular is called Prayers of Honoring Grief. And the second I opened it, I about fell over. Um, so I wanted to share with you two of her prayers. And I really want to encourage you guys to check out not just this book, Prayers of Honoring Grief by Pixie Lighthorse, but to also see um, some of the other incredible books of really powerful mantra-based prayers, affirmation-based prayers that she creates in her heart and mind and she writes out and shares. So I would really love um, if you take a second to honor her work, check her out on Instagram. I do not know her. This is not necessarily a personal cosign, um, but the limited knowledge I have of her through her books, I think that she is a phenomenal pillar of light. 
So this prayer that she has in her book, it's in Prayers of Honoring Grief, page nine. It's called Honoring Confusion, and I would love to read it for you. Thank you for this day of circling the drain. I don't understand what has been presented to me. Release my fixation on finding the gift in it. Tenderize my refusal of what is in front of me. Tune me into my legs when my heels dig in so that I notice the domineering pressure of my resistance. Help me admit what I am likely to deny. Remind me that denial is a critical part of the healing process when I fight what I'm being shown. Let me honor that it is natural to spin in the beginning when nothing makes sense. Dissolve the haze of fury and help me be patient as the puzzle comes together over time. Show me the events and feelings that have led me into this unwanted cyclone. Show me my part. Show me where I am blaming. Release the shame that I didn't or couldn't make a choice that would have made a difference. Let me gently await clarity, which is sure to come. Still my mind and calm my overprotective heart. Pause my spinning gears when trying to reverse what I cannot change. Let me slowly ponder the riddle and let the solving come later. Place my hands in my lap. Sit me down when I spiral and help me care for myself. Show me your guiding light. Help me create the space I need to take the next step, knowing I can break down the logistics later. For now, just let me inhale and exhale my way through each moment. Teach me to keep breathing through the shock of disbelief. Receive my fists when they take to the air. Let me struggle and strain until I go limp with surrender. While waiting for a fresher awakening, let me comprehend the lengths I am willing to go. That one was called Prayer of Honoring Confusion. And as I'm sure you heard, that could be applied to so many things that have nothing to do with physical death, um, but maybe have everything to do with new chapters and disappointments and personal deaths, spiritual deaths. This last one that I'm going to read for you guys. Thank you so much for hanging on through this, because I think that these words can really bless you. This last piece that I'm reading for you is called Honoring Loss of a Loved One. So this poem specifically, I think uh, is really helpful for anybody navigating grief over the death of a law of a loved one and perhaps even grief over the death of Kobe, if that is what you're experiencing right now, like many of us. So again, the author's name is Pixie Lighthorse. She is on Instagram. This is her book, Prayers of Honoring Grief. This last prayer is called Honoring Loss of a Loved One. Thank you for this day of profound mourning. Shroud me in the gloomy garments of bereavement. Drape me in a grain shawl of longing for the one who no longer resides in this world. Make my spirit aware of the transmissions that take place when an earth body becomes light. Help me to honor my person and what they meant to me. Let me look as shabby as I feel, releasing concerns of what others may think of me. Help me embody the darkness I feel over what has been lost. Show me how to make a ceremony for this occasion. Help me be present for these feelings in a way that is healing for me. Remind me that it is natural for one big blow to unleash the hoarded sufferings of my past. Point me to demonstrations of how my people grieved their beloveds for centuries before now. Show me what I can do for my familiars. March me to the mounded graves. Let me make the sacred sounds of this great misery I carry, blood curdling and guttural. Help me release my fears about future losses, but let me 
cling to loving life while I am living it. Find me uncrippled by mistrust of nature's divine processes of reclaiming, but designate ample space to churn with agitation. When I've lost one I love and I'm on my knees, let me place my agonies at your altar in the woods. Send in the winds to flurry my distress towards the source. Let me hold precious the memory of those who have crossed over by letting them be part of me. Ferry my howls across the seas to connect with all those who are aching with loss. Hear our sorrowful voices mingling in one powerful wailing song. Let the stars absorb my lamentations tonight. God, I thought that was so beautiful. I hope that that um, blessed anybody listening, anyone that needed to hear either of those things. Pixie Lighthorse is the author. Prayers of Honor and Grief is the book. Thank you guys for listening. If you get a chance, please take a second from your day to go into the iTunes podcast and give me a rating. Five stars, please. Five stars. Leave a couple lines. Um, It means a lot to me and I appreciate all the hundreds of the ones that people have done thus far. I do not take lightly that you're allowing me into your head to spend some time with you for the precious moments that you have in your day. I appreciate you. I'm grateful. All right, guys. I love you. Thank you. Stay open. Peace. Big thank you for listening to this episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. This show is executive produced by Adrian Scott and me, Debbie Brown. Our theme music was created by producer Day One and the poem that you heard at the beginning of the show. Well, that was created especially for us by award-winning poet Namdi Okafor. If you have a quick moment right now, please hit subscribe on the show. And if you like what you heard, take it a step further and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, you connect with me on IG at Debbie Brown or my website, DebbieBrown.com. Be blessed. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.